Happy Memorial Day, and uh, it's great to see everybody. If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to be reading uh, verses 31 and following. And as you're pulling that up, I'm going to go ahead and have you stand, because I'm going to read the passage uh, whole uh, this morning. Read the passage whole, uh, John chapter 4, and verse, starting in verse 31. This is our last sermon in this series, Born Again. And uh, I've really enjoyed kind of walking through John chapters 3 and 4. So here we go. Last passage for this series, starting in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him and and asked him to stay with them, he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this indeed is the Savior of of the world. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I hope everybody's enjoying. I am not going to complain about the hot weather. I'm not going to do it. Because that winter was long. And I mow the lawn and I'm happy. And I sweat and I'm happy. I do not care. Nobody is allowed to complain about the heat at Cross Point Church. Amen. And I'm excited. I'm in a really good mood this morning. I, I just hate it that Derek and Amy are leaving. I just, it drives me absolutely nuts uh, that this beautiful family uh, is leaving. But I'm really excited because God in his sweet providence uh, is, even now, my daughter is on an airplane flying from Africa, coming back to the States. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm really distracted you know what I mean? It's going to be hard to preach because I'm really pumped. And for those of you who don't know us, my oldest daughter, Abby, she's been on a year-long mission trip to Malawi, Africa, and uh, we're just really excited. So Sherry woke me up like at the crack of dawn. She goes, I've got it on my app. I see where her airplane's at. Here's a picture of her at the airport. And I'm like, baby, I just, I need some coffee. You know, she's excited. So anyways, we're, we're excited about that. Now, we're closing out this series on John chapter 4, and we've been looking at the idea of being born again, and we've looked at Nicodemus, and we looked at the woman of Samaria, and now we're really kind of closing out this series the way the Gospel of John typically closes out these little sections, which is the idea that, you know, you're, you're one of two people. Either you are uh, called to believe in Jesus Christ today. And you're hearing the word of God because God is chasing you down. You're not a believer. 
and the Holy Spirit, like a mighty wind, is leading you and blowing you towards and in the direction of God. Believe in Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to your Creator through Jesus. Believe in Him. Uh, the Holy Spirit could be causing new birth to, be, uh, uh, to, to come into your life. You could be born again today if you believe in Jesus Christ. This is, this is the call of the Gospel of John. But for those of us who have been born again by grace and by this great love that's reached us, John also has this secondary theme that he carries throughout his gospel, and that is this, that as born-again believers, our job is for that message not to stop with us, but to spread through us. God has prepared a harvest for the church, for believers, and believers have a role to play in that. In fact, when Jesus says in verse 35, I love this line, in verse 35, John 4, verse 35, here's our big idea today. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. You see that? He says, look, everybody say look. Lift up your eyes, everybody say eyes. And see, everybody say see. You think he could be any more emphatic? He's saying to you as believers, this, what's happened to this Samaritan woman, this salvation, this new life, this incredible living water that's come into her life and is welling up to eternal life in the least expected person, in the least expected city, in the least expected time. There is a harvest of people that are just like this. That God is preparing to experience His love, His transforming power. And as believers, it's our job not to be looking down and not paying attention. It's our job to live intentionally, to, to look up, to lift up our eyes and to see the opportunities that are before us. To not waste our faith, to not waste this grace, to not waste this forgiveness, to not waste this testimony that we have. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. I was running from God, but His grace outran me and brought me back. Can I get an amen? And I'm not called to waste that. I can't waste that. My faith is a very personal thing. It's a very intimate thing. God called me by name. He called me Joshua and he said, Joshua, stop running. Come back. In my house there's bread enough to spare. And I was born again. I became a new person. The old things passed away, the, the new things came. I became a new creation because anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. And then he calls me to share that faith and look for others. Because even though my faith is personal, it is not private. Even though my faith has met me where I'm at, it does not stop where I'm at. And Jesus is, he's calling his disciples to look, to lift up their eyes, to see the harvest, to live an intentional life of evangelism, to live an intentional life of mission, to live an intentional life of sharing testimony, to live an intentional life of going out from church. 
At Crosspoint, we don't go to church. We go from church, man. As somebody said to me recently, it's a little cheesy, but it works. We are called to be fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. Can I get an amen? We're called to invite, share, pray for, think about, family members, friends, co-workers. You live in such a time as this for somebody else. You live in such a time as this for somebody that's not you. Lift up your eyes and see. It's Memorial Day. I'm so grateful for uh, the men and women who uh, fought for our freedom. I don't take that for granted. And I was thinking even, I was thinking about the Civil War. And uh, I was thinking about Gettysburg. Three days in July, man. This terrible, terrible battle. And the Northern Army started to turn the tide on that third day. And General Lee had to retreat and take, that, take those rebels and go south. And what happened was there was a great storm as he was retreating. And it was an orderly retreat. But that storm, what happened is it swelled up the river, the Potomac River, as he was going south. And so when he got to the riverbanks and, and he realized that because of the flooding and because of the rain and the storm, he could not cr- cross with his army. He had to wait. Meanwhile, General Meade missed a great opportunity. All General Meade of the Union Army had to do was track Lee down. He could have ended the war that very July. And yet he waited around and he had too many meetings. Can I get an amen? Too many meetings are bad. And he kept having meetings and consulting and talking to people. Abraham Lincoln sent him a telegram and said, attack, attack, attack. And General Meade wouldn't attack. And for two days, he wasted the opportunity, and the river Potomac then came back down, and Lee was able to cross over the river and escape. And there was two more years of war because Meade missed an opportunity. How many opportunities have I missed? Sharing my story, praying with somebody who needs prayer, ministering to somebody, Inviting somebody to church, praying for a missionary, reordering my resources so I can give more money to missionaries. How many opportunities am I missing because I'm having too many meetings? Beloved, this is a convicting message. It's hard for me. It's hard for you. But we have to keep coming back to this theme because it's easy for a church to turn inward. It's easy for a church to become a country club as opposed to an embassy. It's easy for a church to say, this is my little church. I love my church just the way it is. It's just my church. And what we got to do is we can't be about my church. We got to be the church and we got to look out and we got to see opportunities to share this message of Jesus and of grace and to tell people about Jesus, pray for people to believe in Jesus we got to start sharing our testimony. we got to be like this Samaritan woman. <laughs> She's putting me to shame. She gets the living water. She runs into her village and she says, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you, he told me everything I, I ever did. Hmm. we got to lift up our eyes. we got to lift up our eyes and look. And I find several motivations to lift up our eyes and look. I love this passage because it gives us some motivations. And Jesus begins to talk to his disciples. And so he's talking to us. And he's saying, listen, here's your motivations. Here's what I want you to be thinking about. And and I want you to have my worldview. I want you to have my understanding of, of of, of kind of the world. 
The first thing he says and the first motivation is we have the food of Jesus. You're like, man, I want to lift up my eyes. I want to be a blessing to other people. I want the blessings of God to flow through me. I know I'm blessed and healed to be a healer. How do I do that? And what you need is you need the food of Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, my food, because they're like, Rabbi, you got to eat some food. And he's like, teachable moment, ding, 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 ding. You know what I mean? Jesus is so good. He's such a beautiful teacher, isn't he? And so he's like, oh, this is a great teachable moment. And he says, my food, he says, my food is to do the will of the one who has sent me. My food is to understand that I am under direct orders from my Father in heaven. What gives me pleasure, what gives me delight, is ultimately not what anybody else thinks, ultimately not what culture thinks. My food, what sustains my soul, is the will of my Father. I feed on the Father and His will. I delight in the Father and His will. I live to eat. But what I live to eat ain't in the refrigerator. Can I get a hallelujah? What I live to eat ain't in the garage. What I live to eat ain't in the backyard. What I live to eat isn't in my living room or on my TV. What I live to eat is the worship and the enjoyment of a father who has a plan and I'm a part of it. This is a, this is a stunning statement, isn't it? The Son of God is submitting, functionally submitting to the Father. And he says over and over again, the whole reason why I came down to earth to die for sinners and to take their place and to be the substitute is not because I think a lot of great thoughts about Josh. It's fundamentally because the Father sent me and I love the Father. I do it because I love, I love the Father. And you know what I was thinking this week? I was thinking, I had these as I was distracted, because I'm trying to put together three thoughts, because my daughter's coming home. Can I get an amen? I can't write sermons right now. I'm like, oh, Lord. But I had one great thought in the middle of my distraction. And my great thought is, I really feel like that we've lost a theology of the fatherhood of God. I think we need to restore that. Our God is our Father. And He loves us like a Father. And just like Jesus... He gives us the food of his will. He gives us the food of delighting in the fact that he puts us where we're at in the time that we live for a time such as this to reflect him and to glorify him. You're not an accident and the place where you're at is not an accident. You are in central Illinois for divine purposes. And I know sometimes I'm just like you. I'm like, really? Yes, he's good. And he loves other people by putting me in central Illinois and you in central Illinois. And wherever you work, it's for a purpose. And you're called to feed on that. That he's got a sovereign plan and he's delightful and to worship and to glorify him. And you can't live your life just going to the refrigerator and to the living room. You got to live your life going to heaven in prayer. Receiving the word from your father saying, I am going to live for divine purposes. I'm going to live to eat on the worship and the delight of my father who has me here for a purpose. That's what Jesus is saying. 
And Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys, listen, we're in Samaria, the most unchurched place on planet Earth. We are in the city of the least likely people to ever accept a Jewish man as the Messiah. And guess what? The food of my father tells me that that ain't no accident. He's got a plan for us here. And I'm eating that plan up right now. You and I, you say, how can I be somebody who's looking up more, who's lifting up my eyes to the harvest, who's, who's looking for more opportunities to share my testimony? The first thing you need to do is look up, 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 up to the Father and feed on Him and worship. Enjoy Him. I remember... <laughs> I remember when we lived in um, uh, Chicago and we lived in this little itty bitty apartment. It was the size of this little table right here, literally. It was like an apartment for hobbits. It worked perfect. And, uh, and I remember we, we were right there in Rogers Park in the middle of Chicago and I was going to uh, Moody Bible Institute and, we, and there we were. Abby's bedroom was the living room of this little apartment. And the guy that lived above us, Lord, how did we get through that? Because he never went to sleep. And he walked. You could hear him walk because you could hear the footsteps. All night long. And we were like, what is he doing? And we figured it out after about a year of this. We are like, that's the kitchen. That's the living room. He's going to the refrigerator. And then going back to the living room. And he's drinking light beer. It had to be light beer because he, he would have died if it weren't light beer. Amen. I mean, he's drinking light beer. And he's going and getting his light beer and he's going back all night long. The whole time. And I thought, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, sometimes my life is like that. I feel like I'm just kind of going back and forth. And I'm not looking up and I'm not thinking about divine purposes. I'm just trying to get through the week or trying to get through the day. Or I'm just trying to, I'm trying to randomly, I'm trying to live accidentally when God is calling me to live intentionally for his glory. God's calling me to live for more purposes. He doesn't want me spiritually just back and forth and back and forth and light beer. Lord, he doesn't want me drinking light beer. Hallelujah. And it, just back and forth. And what we have to do, beloved, is we got to go, man, listen, our life, our life is a vapor. This sucker's going to be done in no time at all. We're like a mist. And we can't waste that mist. We have to live for divine purposes. We have to feed on the same food that Jesus fed on, which is the will of our Father. Jesus delighted in the Father, and that's why he was able to give so much as a man. He delighted in his heavenly father and he enjoyed his father. And for that reason, he was able to give his whole life to save people like you and I. So not only is the motivation to lift up our eyes the food of Jesus, but the, but the second thing is, the, the second motivation is the, the sowing of Jesus the sowing of Jesus. He, he says in verse 35 and following, in fact, he says, uh, he says, uh, do, you, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest 
Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Now this is, this is so powerful. He says, look up, white harvest, white harvest. Now, what I'm imagining, and this is a little bit of sanctified imagination, so you got to watch, you got to watch the preacher. But my imagination when I'm reading this passage is that what's happening is, is in the distance, this woman is bringing these people from Samaria out to Jesus. You can see them coming on the horizon, just a group of people. I mean, she's like, you got to see them. And they're all coming and they're off in the distance and it's hot and you're sweating and they're coming and the wind of the spirit is drawing them to Jesus can I get an amen so you can pick it up the Nicodemus thing the wind is drawing the Holy Spirit is drawing them out through the testimony of the Samaritan woman and of course they're all wearing white because in the ancient world most people wore light clothes because of the sun so it's white and he says lift up look at look at lift up your eyes there's this white harvest and he says you're going to reap what you didn't even work for, what you didn't even sow for. He said, somebody has sowed. And what others have sowed, you're going to reap. Now, of course, the question is, who's the sower? I believe, this is a big, big debate, big lot of philosophers, scholars, but, uh, but here's what I think. Jesus is the sower. Jesus has done the work. And what he's saying is, I have come. There's no more waiting around. There's no more four months and then the harvest, which is kind of their way of saying Rome wasn't built in a day. He's saying, listen, there's no more. It's already sown because I've come. I am the seed. I'm going to be buried in death. I'm going to come to resurrection. The time has come. And the Holy Spirit has come into the world in a new way because I have come. And the Holy Spirit is preparing. Everybody say preparing. The Holy Spirit is preparing people to receive me and to be blown towards me. And the Holy Spirit's going to use your testimony to reap what I am sowing, what I and the Holy Spirit am sowing. And so I am preparing a people for you to receive and to take out of the ground. This is so powerful. The reason why this is so powerful is because the conversion of people does, ne- it does not and it will never come down to me or you. Can I get an Amen. Like, we don't have to be too clever. We don't have to be, you know, like, like we need a, a bunch of meetings to really talk about strategy. And we need to really cleverly, like, kind of trick people into believing in God because there's no way they could believe in God unless we trick them. No, no, no. What Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit is preparing people to receive and to believe. And your only job is to go out and love them and pray for them and share your story and see what happens. And what's going to happen is the wind is going to blow those people through your testimony. And you're going you're to take out of the ground what Jesus has sown in his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a very powerful thing. People don't live in a vacuum. People live under the guiding hand of God. They're living under common grace. They're living under particular grace. But they're all living under the sovereign hand of God. And God is preparing a people for himself. And his means is the testimony and the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard recently, somebody said, we were talking and and he made this incredible, incredible insightful idea. And I think he got it from somebody else. So both him and I were plagiarizing someone out there in the world. 
Um, but he said this. He said, you know, everybody has the same worldview. Everybody has the same worldview. You know what that worldview is? There's one God. He's the creator. There is such a thing as right and wrong. The law of Moses is spot on in the Ten Commandments. Every single human being, every tribe, every language, every color of person has one worldview, one God, and a conscience that says there's an absolute right and wrong. It's just some people suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They're trying to act like that worldview isn't true, even though deep down they know it's true. And what pulls them out of suppressing the unrighteousness of God or suppressing the truth of God and unrighteousness is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is preparing people to leave off their denial of God that they all believe. And the church goes out and we share a testimony and we reap what we didn't sow. We go out and we labor, or somebody else's labor, Jesus has labored, and the Holy Spirit has labored, and we get to go out as the church and just share our story, share the gospel, that there's one mediator between God and man, the mediator Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Jesus. And ultimately, we proclaim a gospel that doesn't just take us to heaven, but that's bringing a kingdom to earth where there will be justice and righteousness, where there will be no more death, and where Jesus will be the king and the ruler, and we will live together, and the nations, a people from, a people from every tribe and nation will come and worship Jesus in this great kingdom, and it will be physical, and it will be powerful, and it will be awesome. And we live out that story. We go out and we get and we know that God has prepared. Listen, cross point. God has sovereignly prepared you to be a church for people who have not come here yet. And our job is to go out and find whom, whom God has prepared for us as a harvest. Lift up your eyes and see the food of Jesus, the sowing of Jesus. And then we come to the final point. Look with me in verse 39. John 4, verse 39. It says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now, I got to stop here. How in the world, first of all, did these Samaritans believe this woman's testimony when she had no credibility? She was a woman of ill repute. There's no way that naturally they would go, oh, really? Okay, I'll believe what you say. You know what I mean? Like, I would imagine that this woman's going to go back to the town that's been bagging on her behind her back because she's been married five times. And she's going to say, I found the Messiah. And they're going to be like, we don't believe a word you say. How in the world do they believe? I'll tell you how. Grace. God opened up their hearts to believe her testimony and to follow her. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like Star Wars The Force, like these are not the droids you're looking for. But, but, but what, what I am saying is that somehow by the grace of God and by the Spirit of God, when she spoke, they, they were ready to receive her word for some reason. That, they, that she had met a Jewish man 
who is the Messiah? And they were like, well, let's go out and see if he'll stay with us a couple of days. How does that happen? I'll tell you, the grace of God. And don't ever, listen, do not let the lie, there's a lie, and the lie is, well, our culture can't accept Jesus anymore and can't believe in God and, you know, everybody's talking about millennials and all, all this stupid, stupid commentary out there. Let me tell you something, nothing has changed, nothing we are closer now to, to what it was like in the first century when the church exploded than ever before. And you want to know how people believed in Jesus and the Roman Empire? Because God is sovereign. Because he can change human hearts and he can change lives. Because he's more powerful than the darkness. Because his light explodes through the, the sincere, vulnerable proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. And as we're humble... And saying, hey, listen, I don't deserve the love of God more than any other people. And, and, and as we share that, God's going to take that word and do some stuff. Don't let a lie be lodged, living rent-free in your head that people can't hear a word about God in our culture. That's a lie. Anyways, that was extra. Verse 41. And many more believed because of his word. And I love this. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. This indeed is the Savior of the wor world. Here's the third motivator to keep your eyes lifted up. It's the word of God. The word of Jesus and the word of Jesus is powerful. It's powerful. And people talk about apologetics. How do we defend the gospel in a postmodern, pluralistic culture? When nobody believes in absolutes anymore, how do we do it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how we're going to do it anymore. You open up the Bible with people. The Bible is powerful. It's the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It, listen, the Bible always meets the mark of the human condition. From our need to joy, to worship, to sin, to problems, and all it requires. It's just, to, it's just, just open it up and just let it be what it is. Let the lion out of the cage. Believe in it by faith and then share it authentically. Be a church, be a people, be a community of the word of God. Because as it's opened up and as it's made understand and understood, it will meet the mark. It's sufficient. It's God-inspired. It's God-breathed. It's powerful. And man, when those Samaritans heard Jesus speak, salvation comes from the Jews. I come from the line of David as well as Abraham. Those Samaritans, they were like, now I believe his word. Because it's true. And of course some people are going to reject it. Of course there's going to be people that walk away from it. Of, of course people are going to be hostile towards it. Because they're fighting it so hard. They're suppressing the truth of God and so much unrighteousness. And they just, they're just going to suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. But there will be some that God is prepared to receive and to believe in Jesus. And they will believe in Jesus. And it will be because of your testimony that leads them to the word of Jesus... That they're saved, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Be motivated. 
to lift up your eyes. Just look and consider these things. And as you let, as you let the, the word of Christ, as you let the food of Christ, as you let the sowing of Christ take hold of your heart and your imagination, as you take your life captive to this obedience of Jesus' mission, God will use you. God will use you. Now, how can we walk away? How can we spend our time this week walking in this truth and lifting up our eyes? I'll just give you two quick, really practical things you can do this week to begin to be a witness for Jesus Christ. The first thing is worship your God. Enjoy Him. Enjoy Him. Feed Feed on your heavenly Father. Embrace the fatherhood of God in the gospel. Let the Holy Spirit cry out in your spirit, Abba, Father, and bear witness to your spirit that you're a child of God. Worship your Father. Get filled up with the living water. Let the living water just, just be springing up to, in you like, like up to eternal life. Just worship, man. Enjoy. Because we commend what we enjoy. Worship. Here's the second thing. Listen. Be really good at listening. So, you know, I've started to think, you know, I've spent my life talking and trying to be heard. I'm a loudmouth preacher. Thank you for not saying amen. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. But I've, I've realized that that I really need to do a better job listening to people, hearing people, letting them know I care about them and love them, and, and addressing their needs. I love that Jesus addressed the Samaritan woman where she was at. He showed us. She was thirsty, and he talked to her about water. He talked to her where she was at. He, he didn't take her to some big theological thing. He didn't, he didn't talk about, you know, how she needed to come to this deep understanding of theology. He, he started with where she was at. Oh, you're thirsty. And I know, I know, I know, about, I know about some water that, that can quench your thirst, your spiritual thirst. And it's happened in my life. Let me share with you how I've been thirsty and how God met my thirst. And, and how I've got this great Savior by the name of Jesus. And, and He can quench your thirst. Listen. Share your story with, with people, but share it with where they're at. Meet people where they're at. Worship and Listen. Worship and listen. You know, I'm just asking God, God help me not to miss opportunities. Help me to live intentionally for your glory. Help me not to be accidental because I can't leave a legacy for Jesus accidentally. I'm going to have to be intentional. Help me, God live for you. Help me, God, lift up my eyes and see and look at a harvest that you have for my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and Father, for giving us your son. 
And thank you for giving us divine purposes to live for. Thank you for giving us a love that is unconditional found in you. Now, God, help us to be a church that's keeping our eyes up, looking for your divine appointments, looking for your moments. When we worship you, Father, just fill us with the joy and the delight of who you are and your word. Help us to feed on your sufficiency. And then, God, help us to be great listeners, to meet people graciously where they're at, to see our life as, as, a, as an opportunity to make an impact, to pray for people, to share a story with people, to invite people to church even, to help us to know those moments that are, that are given from you. And Lord, bless your church in central Illinois and all the churches that are trying to reach people. Bless the church with a harvest that, that your spirit is blowing in to the church. Bless churches around our country as they seek to, to go out and to reap what you have sown in the gospel. Help your missionaries around the world uh, to plant churches and to be effective at crossing cultures and and speaking in languages that they can understand the word of God. And may people hear your word and say, it's not because of your church. It's not because of your preacher. It's not because of your life groups. It's because of Jesus that we believe. We want human beings to flourish in the abundant life of transformation in Jesus Christ. So help us to know our little part that we can play in helping people discover that regeneration, that rebirth, that new life. We pray for these things over our church. In Jesus' name, amen.